Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and Corridor Aesthetics.com. Today is Monday. It's the 19th of June. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Over the weekend, abortion rights supporters celebrated the Iowa Supreme Court's decision to permanently block a law banning abortion at about six weeks of pregnancy. However, advocates are already anticipating Republican lawmakers will pursue other restrictions in the near future. Senator Sarah Trone-Garriott is a Democrat from West Des Moines and says there's a possibility Republicans will call a special session. We need to be vigilant because they're not giving up on this issue. There's a single-minded focus on banning access to reproductive care, abortion care in our state, um, and we need to keep working. Abortion remains legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. Republican lawmakers have not said if they plan to call a special session, but they say they are planning to pursue more abortion restrictions in the wake of the ruling. Meanwhile, a conservative anti-abortion leader in Iowa says three state Supreme Court justices should resign, be impeached, or be ousted in the wake of that deadlock decision. Governor Kim Reynolds had asked the high court to reinstate a blocked 2018 law that would have banned most abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. But the court's 3-3 to split on Friday with one justice recused means a lower court's ruling keeping the law blocked is the final say. The Des Moines Register reports this call to remove the justices comes from Bob Vanderplotz. He's the president and CEO of The Family Leader. That's a conservative Christian group. It echoes a successful 2010 campaign. Vanderplotz helped lead to oust three other Iowa Supreme Court justices in the wake of a 2009 ruling that legalized same-sex marriage in the state. A contaminated groundwater plume in Des Moines could soon receive federal resources to clean it up. IPR's Katie Pikus has the details. A contaminant called TCE and a chemical derived from it have been found in water samples Des Moines Waterworks collected from an intake for the Raccoon River. The river supplies drinking water for more than half a million people. The EPA is proposing to add the Lot 46 Valley Gardens TCE Superfund site to the national priorities list to make sure it gets long-term cleanup and protect public health. The EPA's Kellen Ashford says the contaminants levels are low. The agency wants to get ahead of the problem. The drinking water coming out from the the Des Moines uh, water treatment plant still meets all standards set by the Safe Drinking Water Act. The meeting will take place at Weeks Middle School in Des Moines. The EPA plans to propose the site for cleanup in September. The Iowa Democratic Party's delegate selection plan was found non-compliant by National Democratic Party leaders on Friday. The state party proposed a presidential preference mail-in system to make the caucuses more inclusive in 2024. The decision gives Iowa Democrats more time to comply. Iowa was one of over a dozen Democratic state parties to audition for an early spot in the presidential nominating process a year ago. They didn't make the cut. So the state party proposed a mail-in caucus system with the willingness to withhold the results until after other states hold their contests. Veronica Martinez is the DNC's Director of Party Affairs and Delegate Selection. She addressed the rulemaking arm of the DNC at a meeting in Minneapolis on Friday. We recommend that this plan be found non-compliant as the date of the mail-in preference process could potentially violate the timing provisions. The DNC say Iowa's date needs to be nailed down to comply with South Carolina Democrats going first. Iowa Democratic Party Chair Rita Hart says she's not surprised by Friday's decision and the plan was designed to be flexible. 
And law enforcement officials are investigating what could be human remains discovered at Yellow Banks Park on Friday. Deputies were called to the park in southeast Polk County on Friday evening to meet with campers who found what appeared to be a human skull. A search of the nearby area did not reveal any other remains. Detectives and the medical examiner's office are working for more info. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Iowa was one of the first states to legalize same-sex marriage, years before it would be allowed across the rest of the country. During that time, in between, couples flocked to the state to tie the knot. And IPR's Catherine Wheeler reports on how one small town became a popular destination. Jessica Cummins and C.J. Lukey decided to get married in 2010. But Cummins was living in Alabama and Lukey was in California. And neither of those states had legalized same-sex marriage. So Lukey had to do a little bit of research. So Massachusetts was doing same-sex marriage, their first one. I thought for sure, like California, Hawaii, that these would be the states. And so I Google online and I get Iowa. In April 2009, Iowa was the third state to legalize same-sex marriage and the first outside of the Northeast to do so. Lukey stumbled on welcomeintocora.com, a website with information on how same-sex couples could come to the Northeast Iowa town for their weddings. Lukey quickly got in touch with the website's founder. I said, you know, we're going to come and elope. We don't know anyone. Can, Can you help us? And so she got the officiant who's now passed away, but he was a great guy. She and her husband were our witnesses. Uh, there was a guy who played guitar that was a friend of theirs. Welcome into Cora founder Amalia Vots says exchanges like this were common between 2009 and 2015. Vots and her sister brainstormed the idea when they were celebrating the Iowa Supreme Court decision. They got to talking about how Decorah might be a perfect destination for couples. Because it's beautiful and it's a generally welcoming town already um, and so close to Minnesota. And so we just started really just like hatching this idea. She says they might have reserved that website domain that day and it took off. Lots of couples like Lukey and Cummins were calling and emailing her asking for advice on where to get married, what places could cater receptions, and even if Vots could find locals to be their witnesses. Vots says they also wanted to know if it was safe for them to come to Decorah. I remember saying to a number of people, like, probably the most likely thing that will happen when you're walking down the street is that people will assume that you're in town for a wedding and they'll, like, rush up and congratulate you. Decor resident Liz Rock remembers wanting to do exactly that. If I could find a way to just be warm and welcoming to those people without slamming on the brakes and getting out of my car to to welcome them in an overdone sort of way, I would do it because it just felt like there was a lot of that going on here. Rog became an officiant and was listed on the Welcome in Decorah website. She says she married around 80 couples who came to Decorah over the years. She did weddings all over town at a waterfall, parks, the Luther College Chapel, and even on her own property, where couples could rent a cabin and stay in the tranquil forest. So we're nestled in the woods in a little valley that is filled with such a variety of native wildflowers and trees and all all other manner of creatures. Rog says she's proud her property has been home to a lot of love. 
Ellis Arnold is a minister and co-chair for Decorah Pride. They also did their fair share of weddings when they moved to town in 2013. That year, right in the middle of the wedding madness years, they did 15 weddings in three months. For a number of the couples that I ended up doing their wedding, it was the first time they had been in church open uh, and uncloseted before. And so to even be in a congregation that was open and accepting was kind of mind boggling. Arnold says they weren't the only minister in town who was supportive. And that's been a part of why Decorah's LGBTQ community has grown. Arnold says the community jokes that more than half of the floats in the Decorah Pride Parade are from churches. They say this whole part of LGBTQ history here in Decorah only happened because of the welcoming community that was already here. There's a sort of legacy in some ways. Um, And because we have a broad generation of queer folks, there's sort of that shared legacy of, oh, this has been a part of who we are and how we are. I think for Decorah, it continues to shape us. Amalia Vatz, the Welcome in Decorah website founder, says once same-sex marriage was legal throughout the country, fewer couples came to Decorah to marry. But that time made a lasting impact on a wide range of people who were involved. She says it was a beautiful thing to be a part of with her community. In Decorah, I'm Katherine Wheeler, IPR News. This is Here First from IPR News. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them. I'm Clay Masters.